can you go ahead and just uh, tell me your name and how you'd like to be identified? Sure. My name is Walter Rubalcava, R-U-B-A-L-C-A-V-A, and I'm with the County of Santa Barbara uh, Flood Control District. This is about the Montecito Flood Basin. And so what exactly does a flood basin do? Sure. So I, I think you're referring to the Montecito Randall Road Debris Basin. Uh, and what the debris basin does is it captures the, the intent of it is as after a wildfire or a flooding event where uh, debris come down those mountains, the intent of that debris basin is to capture that debris try, uh, with the goal of protecting the, the neighborhoods, the communities, and the roadways down below. Okay, great. Why does it uh, require as much space as it did? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, I, I'm not sure if you saw the aftermath of the Montecito um, debris flow, uh, but it, it takes a lot of volume and it takes more volume than, than what we have. What we are doing is try to reduce um, the potential of debris going downstream. It doesn't eliminate the potential. It just greatly reduces it. So it, it's sized based on an expected uh, debris flow based on historical um, data. And, and that, that's how it's sized. Again, it doesn't, it's like seismic. There's no earthquake proof buildings anywhere in Santa Barbara County. We design based on the most likely probable event. For the location of this uh, debris basin, why was it uh, you know, put in the place it was? Yeah, that's a great question too. So the idea of this particular debris basin actually came from the community, a kind of a grassroots situation. And they brought it to the flood control uh, district. We love the idea. And really to, to get a project like this of that size and magnitude is approximately, you know, $20 million project, it really takes um, a partnership between the community, uh, contractors, local, state, and federal governments all working together to kind of make the project happen. If you have one of those pieces that are missing, is it possible? Yes. It just makes it so much more challenging. And uh, what were some of the challenges that came up during the building of the debris basin? Yeah, sure. From the environmental standpoint, um, when you're along uh, vegetated creeks like that, there's a lot of uh, there's there's a lot of environmental resources from the vegetation to uh, species, fish. Um, that's one element is the environmental. And then you we had eight properties to acquire, and these are multi million dollar properties. Um, so that's another uh, challenging aspect of it. Um, the hauling off of material using public roadways. The, the noise, the, the duration of the project, I mean, all those in itself, like, if, again, if you, the, the cost is mitigated by both state and federal grants. The acquisition is significantly helped when you have the local support, the community support, uh, because any one of those property owners could challenge um, the purchase of the property, and that makes it much more complicated. I think that, well, like I said, the cost, I mean, the, the, we had a $13.5 million FEMA hazard mitigation program grant, mm -hmm. and we had a four point, well, we're almost um, complete on a state $4.5 million community development block grant. Um, without either of those, uh, it would have made a $20 million project significantly difficult for a district to, to pull this off. I, and we had Congressman Carbohal as well, who did a, a lot of 
lobbying efforts, um, both on the environmental side to try and partner with the district to try to help see this through. And he helped us quite a bit on the funding side, especially on the FEMA side to try and help um, secure those funds. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so how invested is the county on future infrastructure projects like this one? I understand that was like a big undertaking. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we just finished uh, Romero Debris Basin, or it's just wrapping up right now. Uh, we are currently in construction, um, modifying and improving the Santa Monica Debris Basin up and over Carpinteria, the, the community of Carpinteria. Uh, we're also working on uh, improving uh, San Ysidro and the Cold Springs basins as well. Um, I think those are primarily the ones that we're currently actively working on. So we're, we're pretty invested. And then we're also just started. We're just kicked off. We're going to do a, a major um, hydrology study or a study of the Montecito drainage area. Uh, and then start looking at improvements as far as from a feasibility standpoint, you know, or a technical standpoint, what improvements do we need to improve just the, uh, the drainage in that area? So this will be kind of a comprehensive study, looking at everything, looking at right away, uh, what infrastructure could potentially be done so we could help prioritize some of that work that we're gonna be doing uh, into the future. And this is no, no work that's gonna be done in the 10, next 10 years. This could be the next 20, 30, because we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars um, to do it. The, the challenge with the Montecito area is you have very steep mountain hillsides very close to the ocean. So it doesn't have that time to, to spread and slow down um, before it hits populated areas. And, and that's the challenge we have. It's a very, very beautiful area, um, but you know, it, it has the topography challenges with it that you know, we, we keep working on a daily basis um, to improve that situation. That's excellent to hear. Um, I understand it is a uh, flood preparedness week uh, this week. Uh, I it wonder is. if you could speak on that or why we should be prepared for a flood in moments like this where we're in a drought. <laughs> that's, that's an awesome question. So just because it's a drought and just because, so you've heard of the term El Nino where from a probability standpoint, it's more likely, we're more likely to get rain. Or, or greater than normal rain, statistically speaking. And then you have El Ninas um, or La Ninas, where um, statistically speaking, you could have less rain. However, historically, it happened last year, I think it was October timeframe, we got significantly more rain than normal. And it was on the Alisal burn scar, which was concerning as well. So even though we're in a La Nina situation, we still got that heavy rain event. So just because you're in a drought, just because you're in a La Nina doesn't mean that you cannot or that you will not have heavy downpours. And, and that's happened historically where you have a drought that is um, followed by a, a major uh, flooding event. And so we, we want people to always be prepared because it's, it's hard to prepare when it's sunny outside. When it's 80 degrees outside, you're not thinking, I wonder where the next flood's going to happen in my house. So the way that we approach, approach this is that um, it's a shared responsibility um, between the private property owners and the flood control district. Um, this is flood, control, flood preparedness week is we have our capital improvement plans that I just described to you 
right, that we'll be working on for quite a bit. We also do our annual maintenance plans where we go through the major creeks um, and, and do brush clearing, vegetation removal to try to make sure culverts aren't clogged, make sure the drainage areas are cleared. That's our responsibility. Now, that on the property owner side, you know, just from a safety standpoint, when it is heavily raining outside, drive safely, right? Drive, drive safely when you're crossing a creek, before you cross that creek, before you cross a river, ask yourself, is this safe to be crossing, right? Um, if it's more than three to four inches, you, you should really start looking for an alternative route because you don't want to be pushed downstream by water. Also, we want the property owners to, to look at their surrounding um, areas around their house and, and uh, get an idea, even on smaller rains, where's Where's the water running to? What, what direction is it going to? Like what's susceptible? If I got another two or three inches, how close is it getting to my house with small rain events? Is it far away? Like what areas of my house do I have to, and start concentrating those areas and start thinking, do I need to clear any drainage ditches? Do I need to clear any small culverts or uh, pipes that are going underneath my driveway? Um, is my lawn sloping to my house oh, instead of away from it? And what potential problems could I have if I had a larger rain event, just looking at what the smaller rain event's doing. So just kind of be able to, to be aware. Flood control or flood awareness week is just to be aware of what's going on. Uh, maybe not at just your house. It could be at, um, uh, maybe you help care for your parents. Maybe you help care for a relative. You know, maybe next time it rains, go over there and just take a look. And it's just, just be aware of the potential risks that are associated with flooding. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything else you would like to add? No, I, I mean, I greatly appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about um, this. It's important. Just because it's sunny doesn't mean a, a major rain event can't, won't come tomorrow, won't come next week, and we just want people to be prepared for that. Yeah, thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for speaking to me. Uh, this is a great talk. I really uh, appreciated it. Cool. For more information about Flood Prevention Week, tips, and more resources, you can visit the county's website at countyofsb.org. And for KCSB, I am Reese Rand.